Welcome back to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast. Hey, it's take two here on a Friday. You know what I'm saying? We try, we try to record, you know, but turns out the microphone doesn't record if you don't hit the record button. So we're here for take two. You're not going to hear take one, but now we're here for take two. Yeah. <laughs> we're here on this beautiful Friday. Uh, well, we were having a great conversation about IU and Ohio State before I realized that I wasn't recording, but we're recording now, so we'll roll with it. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, Sam. Um, IU, Ohio State, obviously. Some big games are on college football. Um, the NFL has some good games. The Colts have a, a fantastic game coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll get to our locks. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk some, some some games around the NFL uh, uh, today. So, Sam, uh, we're here. I never thought that we'd be here at this point of the season where we're talking about an undefeated IU team and an undefeated Ohio State team going after it in what essentially is the Big Ten West title game. Yeah, and we were talking on uh, take one about how to, how does IU get this done, and I think... I think it's going to be challenging when you, not just because it's Ohio State, but it's really IU's first primetime, like, big mat- matchup probably in the past 20, 30 years when you look at it. They've never been ranked in the top 10. This is a third-ranked Ohio State team, which if they beat, they have basically the, the clear path to get to a college football playoff national championship appearance if... They obviously won against Maryland. I think they have to go through Nebraska, and obviously the the Big Ten championship or the Big Ten um, champion opponent, whoever that may be, whether it's Northwestern or Wisconsin, whoever that may be. But the point remains is it's going to be really tough. I expect this to be an exciting game. IU always manages to keep close somewhat with Ohio State at times. There's been games throughout that has been really close. Other games where Ohio State has just blown IU out at times like they do with every opponent. So it'll be interesting to see what IU IU team shows up. I think it's going to be really hard with your lack of run game to keep time of of possession in your favor, which I think IU needs to uh, limit the amount of time Justin Fields is out there on the field because – if he gets going, it's going to be really hard for Michael Penix to put up 30, 40 points. But if you can keep it 20, maybe low 30s, I think IU has a decent chance to pull out the win. Yeah, I think they do. Last week's game encouraged me a lot about this team because we sat in here uh, last week and said, you know, this IU-Michigan State game could be somewhat of a trap game. You know, they're looking at Ohio State. Are they going to be able to keep their head down and focus on, on Michigan State? And I said, yes, they would. And they certainly did, blowing them out and shutting them out 24 to nothing. Uh, so that encouraged me a lot about this IU team and how they just take each opponent, you know, game by game. And, and that's how they uh, take the approach to the season. So, yeah, like you mentioned, you got to keep Justin Fields off the field. And when he's on the field, create a turnover. If you can get an interception or, or a fumble recovery in the first half, that'll be huge, especially if you can turn that turnover into points. I think that that's going to be a, a huge factor in this game. Can IU win the turnover battle? Yeah, I think so. And with a such, I would say Michael Penix is relatively young. He's a sophomore. Obviously has a high ceiling. I think we can all agree with that. We see the potential he has in him. He's definitely delivered on all accounts what Tom Allen sees in him, what I see in him, what every IU fan sees in him moving forward. He's only sophomore. It's going to be, it's going to be challenging for him to step up against this experienced uh, defense. But 
If you want to get it done, you got to put it in the hands of your best guy. And Michael Penix so far this season has shown to be the best guy. When you don't have a running game, you got to put it in his hands. you got to get to Watt Fillier and his receivers and just let him work because at the end of the day, it's going to have to be up to Michael Penix to lead this team an away game, a tough away game where you've never been top 10 before against a, a number three team where you could be uh, saying to yourself after this game, if you win, hey, we're, we're that much closer to a college football national, uh, college football playoff national championship uh, appearance. And, and yeah. Yeah, I think that this game is going to be big. I, I think, you know, Wapfield, you mentioned, I think Ohio State's going to shut him down pretty well. I don't think Wapfield will have you know, one of his better games against Ohio State. I think IU's going to have to uh, look to other receivers, Ty Freifogel, Peyton Hendershot, I think are going to be huge in this game because I think Ohio State will shut down Watt Fillier early and often, and IU have to go somewhere different offensively. But that's the good thing about this IU team. They have so many other weapons that it should not be uh, that big of a challenge. It shouldn't be at all. But, yeah, I think it just comes down to the defense. Uh, I don't know whether it was this take you mentioned, the defense and how impressed you were by their Michigan State um, a performance, how we how we kind of thought it was a trap game last episode. And that that's basically what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to – as as hard as it is against Justin Fields, which I mentioned last take, where we were, where we were just, I was kind of surprised that they didn't that Georgia didn't start him over Jake Fromm because there's a potential like the Michael Penix, Peyton Ramsey sort of thing. He has the higher potential. They they let him transfer to Ohio State. He's doing his thing here, and we've seen the talent that he has, and he's he's just an unbelievable talent. And it's going to be really hard. Not only for the edge rushers to get to him, but for the secondary to be able to stop him. You got any uh, got any predictions for for this game on Saturday, Sam? Uh, I'm not gonna say predictions. I I don't want to jinx anything. And like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna take the Kirk Herbstreit approach, where any game he commentates, he's just gonna leave it out there. I think the key to edge is time of possession for IU and just l- trying your best to limit Justin Fields to. Uh, 20 to low 30s. Yeah, I would say those are pretty good keys. Uh, for me, I, I'm going to say it's, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a 10-point game at, at the uh, when it all comes down to it. Um, and, but I'm not going to not going to jinx anything like you saying. I you know I'm a I'm a skeptical IU fan, so uh, we have to we have to take that approach. Um, but yeah, my keys for IU are going to be defense. Can they win the turnover battle? Can they? Uh, rattle Justin Fields just a little bit in that first half. Um, and, and you mentioned time of possession. I think that's huge. And I think the running game is going to be huge because, like I mentioned, I think they're going to shut down Watt Fillier pretty well. Can Stevie Scott, can Samson James pick up for the slack in the run game? Uh, we'll find out. Some other big games this weekend. We have uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin. This is big uh, for Big Ten West implications. Uh Northwestern's playing pretty well. Last year they, they were pretty lackluster, but this year they've picked it up uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I think in this uh, this season, Northwestern's been a, a huge surprise. I think even more than IU, because considering going into the season, I don't think anybody had any expectations for Northwestern. At least people had decent expectations for IU to be at least a middle-of-the-road team. I think we can all agree with that. But Northwestern, they've really come out of nowhere. Peyton Ramsey transferred from IU to come in there and lead that team. I honestly didn't expect Northwestern to do as good as they are. But, hey, I saw I saw an article that says, 
Um, what's the path for Northwestern and IU to get in the college football playoffs? So Northwestern still has a chance. It's just unbelievable where we at, where we could be sitting here saying Northwestern versus IU Big Ten championship game. That would just be that would just be wild. It's only an article that you see in 2020. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean that that's something that any other year that would be a shock. But in 2020, honestly, I'm not that surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some other big games. They had a lot. We had a lot of camp cancellations this week. Um, Thirteen of them, to be exact. Maryland, Michigan State got postponed or canceled. IU plays Maryland next week, so hopefully the Terps are able to figure out their COVID situation before IU plays Maryland. Uh, number twelve, Miami won't play Georgia Tech due to COVID, and number five, Texas A&M won't play Ole Miss due to COVID. Um, a couple bottom feeders, and we're not only saying this about one team, but a couple bottom feeders uh, in a matchup this weekend. Is Michigan on upset alert at Rutgers? They're not on upset or is, alert. Or is Rutgers on upset alert? They're, they're, it's, <laughs> it's, it's neither upset. It would be – it's upset in the kind of branding of Michigan because the the way we look at Michigan is they're such a powerhouse and they've had such a down year. But the, Michigan doesn't deserve to be on upset alert with the way they perform. Neither has Rutgers. Rutgers hasn't really delivered up to expectations. Like um, outside of the, the Michigan State when Rutgers delivered in week one, they haven't delivered either. So it's just two bottom feeder teams going at it. I think more of the question is, if John Harbaugh loses, is he getting fired? Because essentially he will be bottom of the Big Ten or no, Penn, Penn State still below him. So, still be second to last in the uh, Big Ten, but considering how prestigious of a program Michigan is, losing the Rutgers is only going to worsen uh, Jim Harbaugh's situation even more. Yeah. Um, well, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Jim Harbaugh after this season. Um, so, he's going to make just over $8 million this year. Um and in 2021, it's uncertain on what he will be bringing in. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where Michigan goes with him. What you know? What are the boosters going to um, to say about this? Because all it takes is a little money from some boosters to pay off his contract, and um, he's out of there. He, he's he's done it, and his record at Michigan's not that bad. 47 and 18 with a 32 and 12 conference record, but he hasn't won a big game. Mm-hmm. Hasn't beaten Ohio State in in five seasons. And if if Michigan's going to be a team that compete for a Big Ten championship, or you know, better yet, a college football playoff, they're going to have to do that, and they haven't done that. So I think that's the big beef with with Jim Harbaugh. Not not his overall record, but the fact that he can't win a big game. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it comes down to. Michigan has always kind of has. With, without beating Ohio State, Michigan fans always see each season as a failure, no matter if they were to go 11-1. and They can't get it done against Ohio State. They see the season as a failure. And to repeatedly not get that done, and not only that, but just to just uh, just kind of flop like the way they have the season, even in a shortened eight-game schedule, like... I'm not sure how after the season you go into next season and feel confident that you want Jim, Jim Harbaugh moving forward as your head coach. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, it'll be an interesting situation to to monitor and watch. Uh, when you look, uh, switching over to the NFL side of things, last night Seahawks beat the Cardinals 28-21. Uh, to 21. It was really a must-needed game for the Seahawks. Uh, the Cardinals coming off that big uh, Hail Mary um, 
catch by DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they, they lose in Seattle. Uh, so now it kind of shakes up the NFC West even more uh, because there's really, you know, all four teams are really still in this divisional race. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, I, like this um – what game are we talking about again? Sorry, Seahawks Cardinals. Seahawks sorry. Cardinals. Sorry, that uh, blank. I, sw- I switched. I switched yeah. the pace on you real quick, Sam. You yeah. got to be on your toes. But uh, so yeah, Seahawks Cardinals. Outside of the 49ers, I don't think the 49ers are in a position to win. Let's be honest. I think even if Jimmy G comes back, I don't think that this team is ready to compete. They're they're on that Super Bowl hangover. I think even at even though they're only three games out of first place, I don't really see the 49ers contending. But the Rams have a solid case. Cardinals have a solid case. Seahawks solid case. I think it was a a absolute necessary win for the Seahawks to get it done last night. When you look at the fact that how uh, the first game against the Cardinals ended, they certainly didn't want to have the give the tiebreaker over to the Cardinals in case it came down to a week 17 or whatnot. I think this this was a absolute must uh, win for the Seahawks. They got it done. They feel confident moving forward. But as you mentioned, every other team's within it within a game of each other, uh, one through third. So this this is going to be real interesting coming down to the wire. Yeah, it will be because essentially, if the Seahawks lose that game, they fall to six and four. The Rams take over at six and three as leaders, and then the Cardinals Seahawks tied, and then the Cardinals do get that uh, tiebreaker advantage. So. Uh, it's a it's a big race down there in the NFC West. There's a lot of close divisional races, Sam, here in Week 11 as we look at them. Uh, other, you know, the other division in the NFC that's really close is the NFC South. You have the Saints at seven and two. You have the Bucks at seven and three. Uh, those two teams will be going after it, and the Saints hold that tiebreaker. They beat uh, the Bucks twice, and that's huge. Yeah, but I don't think anybody uh, heading into the season was would be shocked to where they're at. I think we all expected the Buccaneers to compete at a high level. I think everybody expected the Saints to be where they're at. So that's not really a surprise. I think Tom Brady has gone in there, done a wonderful job of stepping in with the weapons they've all added, which has just been ridiculous to watch how many um, – superstar type talents they've been able to add over this past year not to mention the core they already had going into the season and to see just the change that I think we we really see the impact of a quarterback when you go from a Jameis Winston to a Tom Brady because this is a team year ago that was what like six and ten five and eleven uh Jameis threw the 30 touchdowns and 30 picks and Relatively the same team, of course, they had those weapons around Tom Brady and whatnot, but the defense has basically been the same. So just to see the impact that one quarterback has in another just reaffirms to me the value that a quarterback has in this league. we got a big matchup this weekend. Chiefs-Raiders is, is huge. Chiefs are at 8-1 and and leading the division. The Raiders are at 6-3, and three, but if the Raiders can win, they would beat the Chiefs twice in a season, giving them the tiebreaker advantage. So if the Raiders are able to go on a tear here at the end of the season, the Chiefs maybe lose one or two more, the Raiders could essentially win that division. They could, but when you look at the the Chiefs' schedule, the only two remaining tough games I see left are the Buccaneers and, and uh, Saints. You've got the Falcons, Chargers, Broncos, uh, Broncos, oh wait, and I forgot the Dolphins. 
So they've got essentially three tough games left. So this is a must win for the Raiders, I think, if you want that division lead. Because let's be honest, uh, even in a tough game, you still have confidence in Mahomes to get the win. Like, no matter how how stupendous the, the Dolphins have seen this season, you still expect Mahomes to get the win done. So this is an absolute must to go up 2-0 against the, the Chiefs, which I don't think anybody expected that be in a position in the position they are but they are this yeah this is an absolute must win for the Raiders it is um yeah it is because I mean you know John Gruden has been talking about you know this team is good and and he's had high expectations ever since he got there uh so it's a big time to shine I like the Raiders in my picks this week we'll get to those a little bit later on in the show uh moving to uh another AFC division it's the Colts division Colts at six and three Titans at six and three to race for the top, and the Colts hold that tiebreaker currently with, with the Titans. Yeah, and and it's gonna. It, we've got a tough schedule ahead of us. We got uh, Packers, Titans, Texans, Raiders, Texans, Steelers, Jaguars. Outside of that Jaguars games, even though the Texans have been kind of lackluster this season, that's not going to be an easy two wins. It's still your divisional opponent. It's still the Texans. I think they'll give a good fight with the talent they had. You've got the Raiders who are in playoff position. And Titans and Packers. And and I, I'm just more worried about securing a playoff spot in general when you look at how tight the playoff race is in the AFC. Like, yes, a divisional win would be nice. We still wouldn't get a first-round bye. But I'm just I'm just worried about getting a playoff spot in general. When you look at the Dolphins are still in the playoff race, the Raiders are still in the playoff race. Who else? The Cleveland Browns are sitting at six and three. Titans are six and three. The Patriots are four and five. Yes, but they're only two games out. So when you look at the the amount of depth that the AFC has in playoff eligible teams or playoff hunt teams, it's going to be really tough to pull out. So yes, a division win would be super nice. But I'm just worried about getting a playoff spot at this point. Well, and the Titans and the Colts both have big matchups this week. Titans at Ravens, and then the Colts hosting the Packers. So um, these teams could both be seven and three, or they could both be six and four, or you know any combination of of the uh, you know the records. But uh, these teams both have big games this week, and then they meet again in Indy um, after this week. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, what happens with the Titans going to Baltimore? Baltimore looking for some revenge in that divisional uh, playoff rematch from a year ago. The Colts uh, hosting the Packers is looking for a big win against Aaron Rodgers and company. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a race to the finish here um, when you look at you know just the, the standings across the board in the NFL. A lot of 6-3 and three teams as it stands currently. And I think after this week we'll know a lot more about who is – actually in position and who you know might be in position to make the playoffs who has a better chance uh than most maybe but again you just don't know because you got four through four through nine at the same record so even if the the Colts managed to pull out a win move to seven and three and everybody else moves to six and four you still got you still got what is that six games left at the end of the day so you can't feel confident you got to take their motto last year, was it two years ago, of the 1-0 and mindset. You have to have that mindset moving in each week, whether it's the Titans, whether it's the Texans, whether it's to finish off the season, which I'll be at in person, the Jaguars. You've got to have that mindset moving forward because you don't want to get caught slipping and then end up on the ninth seed looking outside of the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, the Colts would host the Raiders in a wild card matchup. The Steelers would 
Uh, we get the first round by Kansas City would be second. Uh, outside looking in, if they started today, the Browns would be at six and three out of the playoffs, and the Titans would be out, and the Patriots would be out. The Ravens would be at six and three, getting the um, wild card, the last seventh seed wild card spot. If they started today in the NFC, uh, the Packers would get the first round by. Um, they got the tiebreaker over New Orleans in the head-to-head win percentage. Uh, the Saints would be second, Seattle third, the Eagles in at three and five at fourth, um, the Bucks at five, Rams at six, and the Cardinals at seven. So the race in the NFC not as close as the AFC because that eighth spot is the Bears at five and five. So the AFC is going to be a more interesting playoff uh, race to watch, in my opinion. I think so, and when we've seen the kind of downfall of the Bears, I wouldn't can be surprised if they continue their downfall. Uh, I think they're on their bye this week, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, they are. So we don't get it. We thankfully don't have to watch their offense struggle this week. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think, as you mentioned, AFC uh, tougher. NFC, besides the few divisions that are just fighting for that um, top spot, I don't think there's going to be much debate come week 17 about that wild card spot. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, you look at the Saints, they're, they're hosting the Falcons this week. Big storyline. Jameis Winston was expected to be the starter this weekend, but the Saints have named Taysom Hill the starter at quarterback for the Saints. Um, are you surprised by this and them using Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback role? I don't think so. When you've seen the Saints come out in third down in, or in crucial moments, you see Taysom Hill in there. You see him at even at quarterback. You see Drew Brees on that sideline sometimes on third downs. He's still in there. They they prepared him for this moment. Yes, Jameis Winston came in last week, which after uh, Drew Brees got injured. But given that Taysom Hill has had uh, um, a full week of practice to kind of prepare for this position, they've certainly been working on him being the starting quarterback. Sean Payton sees him as a starting quarterback. I'm honestly not surprised. You see him in those big-time moments being a quarterback or whatever position they is. They believe in him, and I think this is just going to prove one way or the other. This is going to just show if the Saints can move forward with Taysom Hill in mind as their franchise guy. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that that Taysom is starting because, you know, they like to throw um, Taysom in as, you know, tight end or receiver or running back on any given play. And you can still have that quarterback in there to deliver the passes. So I'm a little surprised by this. You know, maybe Sean Payton just wants to give Taysom Hill a role at, at quarterback, play quarterback the whole time. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But um, Taysom Hill with a big chance to, to prove himself as a quarterback in the league because if he wants to get out of New Orleans, he's going to need to play well these next couple weeks in place of Drew Brees. Yeah, no doubt. And I think... I think this um, this kind of screws up Jameis Winston's plans because I think he was expecting that kind of Teddy Bridgewater um, kind of hype to go his way where he would get the chance. Um, well, we can't predict Drew Brees get injured, but we saw last season he got injured. For five games, Teddy Bridgewater stepped in, won those like four out of five games and increased his market value exponentially. I think Jameis Winston was expecting the same thing. So moving into free agency, I don't think unless Taysom Hill gets hurt and James Winston gets put back in that spot, you have to be confident, James Winston, that your market's going to increase. It may even decrease a little bit considering you were kind of benched for a, a I don't even know what to call it, gadget weapon in Taysom Hill at quarterback? Yeah, you could call it that, honestly. Mm-hmm. 
It'll be interesting to see what uh, what Taysom Hill is able to do. Um, you just hope Drew Brees is back for that December 20th date with the Chiefs uh, because until then, their schedule is pretty easy. Falcons at Broncos at Falcons at Eagles. So pretty easy schedule there upcoming for the Saints. Let's get to our lock, Sam. Um, last week, I went 1-1, one and one, not too bad. You went 0-2, uh, oh so now we're tied 11-9. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about where we stand. We still got quite a few weeks to go, but I'm just happy with the positive record at this point. There you go. We're um, making money, as they would say. Uh, what are your picks for this week here around the NFL? I'm gonna go with um, first off. I'm gonna start with Titans plus five at Ravens, and and a lot of people that were shocked, and you said you were considering Ravens minus five. I and I'm a big. I'm a big believer in the bounce back game. I think if you see a big time contender struggle, you'll see them bounce back. But it just seems to me like this Ravens offense isn't the same, whatever. They've had multiple weeks to correct it, whether it's the Steelers game, which they lost the Colts game, even in the Colts game, the the Ravens offense just didn't look good. And then not to mention their rainy game where Lamar Jackson was just like out of his element, it seemed, against the Patriots. They ended up losing that game. And the Titans, to me, I think are really, really, really good. They 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 did lose to the Colts. They had a nice first half, kind of kind of lingered in the second half where they were just struggling. Special teams didn't help at all in that game. Just bad. This is a must-win game for the Titans to keep pace with the Colts in case the Colts do end up uh, somehow being the, the Packers. The Titans really need this. They need this, I think, even more than the Ravens because I think when you see the job Pittsburgh has done, I don't think the Ravens are confident they can get a division title out of it. I feel like they're just uh, playing for that wild card spot at this point. So I think this is a really key game for the Titans to at least keep close. I think they do it. Plus five is a lot of points to give this kind of um, uh, above 500 matchup. That's why I went with Titans plus five at Ravens. The only reason for concern that you should have with the Ravens is, you know, they, they're looking for a bounce-back game as mm-hmm. well. It is in Baltimore. I think that's a huge factor. Um, they're they're looking for a win after they lost to the Patriots. I think that Lamar Jackson is going to come in there pretty motivated, and um, I'm concerned about the Ravens in this one. Uh, last week I went one and one. Uh, I lost the Browns minus three and a half because, you know, thanks to Nick Chubb uh, going down at the one-yard line, not scoring there at the end of the game. Uh, he lost that one for me. And then I uh, had the over 48.5 Chargers at Dolphins. I uh, got the W there. Um, I'll give you my first pick. Then, Sam, I'll go back to you for your second pick. I'm going to go Raiders plus 8 at Chiefs. I mentioned it earlier in the show. I really, really like the way the Raiders are playing. They have a chance to beat the Chiefs twice in the same season. Yeah, it's hard to beat a team uh, twice in the same year. But I think the Raiders can do it this year. They, they need it for playoff implications. If they, you know if they want to stay alive in the AFC, they really really need it. it's a home game for for Vegas. I think John Gruden and company get it done. Uh, or if they don't, they at least cover the plus eight on that one. I th- I think that's a solid pick. The only thing I have concern is last week I I, I like to use the bounce back weekend. The Panthers game was kind of an ego shocker to where you didn't think that they would. Um, get within even two points, let alone a touchdown. And the Panthers kept it close, almost got it done. Chiefs pulled it out. You got a primetime game. Mahomes looking to kind of establish himself once again on primetime against the Raiders team who, who who's already beaten you. So you've kind of got that um, that uh, like in the back of your mind that this team already beat you. You think you're better than this team. you got to prove it on, on a primetime stage. 
I think the Chiefs are going to try to come out swinging. I think the Raiders plus A is a good shot because I think they can keep it close enough, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs somehow end up blowing this team out as well. Yeah, it, it, that, that's – I got a, a little bit of concern for that. You know, the Chiefs were rattled last week. You know, can they can they bounce back and just absolutely destroy a team? do have a little concern about that, but uh, we'll wait and see what happens uh, there. Um, Sam, you got your, your final pick of the day? Yeah, I got Vikings minus seven with Cowboys. I think what we saw with Garrett Gilbert, as fun as it was, as fun as it was, I think this is a – kind of one-off week. I think this is a game where just Dal- they, they established the run game with Dalvin Cook and he just has another monster game, 200-plus yards. Da- Minnesota didn't really use him. Did, he didn't really have the best of games like we've seen out of Dalvin Cook last week. Cowboys don't have the best of defenses as we know as it is. I think with a week of practice, whether it was the Justin Herbert the week after he got thrown in there, kind of struggled. We've seen after just kind of uh, Jake Lutton as another example, we see these quarterbacks get thrown in the, the first week. They have a solid performance in the second week. They have a little bit of slump. Now, Herbert's kind of the outlier where he's continued to be the star, continue to show product, uh, productivity after that um, second week. But that second week, uh, you have film, you have uh, game time to watch back, see what the Cowboys did, and adjust. And even though the Vikings don't have the best of defenses, they have a um, solid enough offense to keep ahead of uh, the Cowboys by at least minus seven. They do, and they're coming off a solid win at the Bears, so mm-hmm. I, I like the Vikings pick there. I'm going to go Pats minus one and a half at Texans. I think the, the Patriots really learned a lot about themselves and their victory over the Ravens. I think they go into Houston. Um, and, and kind of walk all over the Texans. I think, um, yeah, I think the, I think the Patriots get it done. They, they need to rally here at the end of the season to make the playoffs. It's simple as that. I think the Pats cover uh, the two points. I, I think that's a good shout. You, uh, I think we saw Cam Newton say that this team's rub is better than its record reflects, and hopefully we can see that. I think last week it was just it was just terrible conditions. I think they it was everything went the Patriots right uh, way to get it done. It, it just fell into place for them. I I think a um, big win here against the Texans will do a long way in pro- proving Cam Newton's point. Yeah, um, it, it'll be a huge game for for the uh, Patriots for sure. Sam, let's get out of here uh, today. You got anything else before we uh, head out on the podcast? Um, yeah, I think I think it's funny how um, if you didn't see Greg Marshall uh, had to had to be forced to basically um, um, the Wichita State bought out their basketball coach, and it's just funny to me how even um, even like a coach can do so much so many bad things, but the the university still pays them out money if that makes sense. No matter the success that Greg Marshall has done, I just find it a little bit ironic that. The, the crap that he's done put certain athletes through you can you can look at it I'm not going to talk about all he's done but just like how they're paying him seven million dollars to leave the program it, ju- it just seems a little bit blasphemous to me yeah I agree with that it, it was kind of surprising to see but I guess that's business and that's how it works mm-hmm. uh, we're only five days away as it sits here on a Friday for the start of the NCAA college basketball season. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, I saw they announced that Ball State's playing Northern Kentucky after I don't really want to live last year's performance down, so we ain't gonna. I'm not going to talk about the just disappointment on our end. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Ball State kicking off action uh, next week. Yeah, Wednesday at uh, North Northern Kentucky, and then 
early December they go to Michigan. So uh, it'll be a good matchup there uh, for basketball. And, yeah, just exciting time. It'll be rolling with NCAA basketball. I can't wait. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter. Find all our latest episodes there. Um, and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. For Sam Thelman, I'm Grant Covey. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.